Hi, and welcome to this episode of I've Got This Kid. I'm your host, Sharina Williams, licensed speech and language pathologist, homeschooling mom of two, wife of one, excited podcaster, always ready to be here in this space with you guys. We are continuing on memory mayhem. <laughs> That's supposed to be like my fast pace, Looney Tunes music. Yeah, I don't know if it's working like that though, but hey, I tried. So anyway, last week we started off on learning about memory and infancy. Remember, in infancy, during this time, there are two types of memory being established. There's the declarative memory, and that's dealing with the episodic and the semantic. And then there's the non-declarative memory. That's aka known as the implicit memory. That's the unconscious memory, the stuff that you automatically do. The next thing that's happening during this infancy stage is that little sugars are memorizing the most important things in their world. The gross and fine motor skills, that's like those big movements and those little movements. And then the sensory related to their environment. That's like, how do we take in smell and sounds and the feelings that come along with that? And when we hear things, what does that remind us of? Little sugars are starting to develop that memory during this time too. And they're also starting to pick up language. Oh my gosh, the language. They're starting to get an idea of like the symbols that are behind language because they're hearing the same thing over and over and over and over again. And then during play, they're starting to learn that if mommy or daddy covers their face and then shows them their face, that it's the funniest thing in the world. And that if they take a toy and drop it, they can track it. They're also looking at things that spin or if they push a button, then something moves or if they manipulate things, then something happens. So all of that stuff is happening during this time to where they're starting to develop these memories along with if I do something, then something happens. If I observe something and if I interact with something, then something's happening during that time. And so this is a pretty big deal because little sugars are starting to get that Keyword, foundation that they are going to need, especially for right now. And the final thing that we learned in episode one is that we can certainly be proactive by creating a language-enriched environment with great memories because we know that if we give our little sugars better memories and we give them better interactions and happier interactions, then It just creates a sense of self and community that they would not otherwise get in other situations. And so again, y'all, this is really an exciting time for them, but we're not talking about the babies today. We're not talking about them. We're done with them. We talked about them last week, but I wanted to get you world changers just caught up and all that. And if you read some of the show notes and some of the articles, then you know even a little bit more about what's going on with memory. But today... We're getting into the toddler years, the fun years, my favorite years. I want to talk about these little silly cute toddlers and what's going on with their memory right now. And yes, I'm going to start with some research and no, I am not a plagiarist. So this article and all the other articles that I will refer to will be in the show notes. So don't miss out on that good stuff. Anyway, in 2016, Fitzpatrick and some friends, they released a study on toddler working memory. Now, working memory is putting the mind to work. It's like the stuff that you're doing. So by now you have your first clue 
that a toddler's working memory and they're doing and they're learning and it's starting to be established. But anyway, I digress. They did a study on working memory and high school dropout risk. You hear what I'm saying? They did a whole study on these little people because they wanted to know the correlation between a toddler's memory and then years down the line, what's the risk of them dropping out of high school? This is gonna blow you guys' socks off. This is what they found. Toddlers who score lower on memory test by one point, one point, are 26% more at risk of dropping out of high school. Toddlers who perform better on memory test later perform better in school than their same age peers. The final thing that they found is that toddler memory has an impact on later engagement, grade point average, aka GPA, and the possibility of repeating grades. This just gives us an idea of how important it is for us to be proactive to ensure that our sugar's working memory is developing. But now we got to take a gander at like, what does that all mean? So this was a really interesting study and I encourage you guys to take a look at it because just knowing that we can have such a big role in making sure that our sugar's memory is being established and developed and at different stages, it looks different. We can manipulate that. We can manipulate the outcomes to make sure that it's in their favor so that they don't fall into that category of, at risk. So what's happening now in memory development? This is crucial. This is key. Now, I started off last episode giving you the two different types of memory and how they're being formed, but we're just going to talk simply about now what's happening in memory development because a lot is going on here. Unlike in the toddler years where they were just focused on two things, now the world expands a little bit more. They've been around a little bit longer, and so a lot more is taking place. Thing one taking place. The sensory motor period is ending. That's the learning while doing. They're starting to recognize objects exist when they're not around. That's that object permanence. So see, in the infancy, while sugars are starting to get a sense of object permanence, now the toddlers, they pretty much know, like, if I don't see it, it's still there. Whereas Infants are just kind of learning that concept. Now they've got it down pat. Two, images are being mentally stored in the mind. So that means that if you say cookie, then that toddler is probably going to see cookie. If you get even deep, more detailed and say like chocolate chip warmed up melted cookie right out of the oven, you might start seeing a little bit of drool because they can see it and they're probably relying on other senses to smell it. They can probably remember how it tastes. They can probably remember how it felt and they can probably remember how excited they were through that process. And so that's much different because again, with the infants, they had to have that interaction. So when they'd see or smell the cookie, that's when they'd remember like, mm-mm, That's probably something that tastes good. And then they start grabbing at it. Whereas with the toddler, they can see it, smell it, remember it, remember the first time, maybe not the first time they had one, but they can remember like what's associated with that. Intentional thinking and insight starts to happen during this time. Oh, they get smart. 
Now, some people like to call it the terrible tooth. It's not anything terrible going on. It's more so of they've got a little bit more wherewithal so they can get around and they could do a little bit more and they could think a little bit more, but they haven't quite had boundaries established yet. And so they're a little bit more inquisitive about what's going on during this time. So this might be the time that you see your little sugar grabbing your storage bin or something that's flat and pushing it to a cabinet and then getting to the cookie that you said was off limits or figuring out where XYZ is or getting into this or getting into that and doing these kinds of things because now they're intentional. They're starting to think that if I do this, I saw mom climb on the stool and she was able to get to the top of the cabinet. So guess what? That means that I can take that same stool and go to the cupboard and get what I want. So they're smart. These are memories. So remember, they're observing you and now they're carrying out the stuff that you're doing, but they're using it for their advantage, which sometimes is at our disadvantage. (laughs) The next thing that happens is pretend play starts. Why? Because again, the memories are more established. They don't need that object to be in their face. So if they had a cute little baby doll, right? They could take their little bottle and put it up to her mouth and they don't need to see that happening like the infants do. They can act it out because they remember all the times that, guess what? You fed them. They remember all the times that, guess what? You played with them. They remember the times that you brush their hair. And so guess what they're gonna do to doll's hair? Brush her hair, push her in the stroller, put her on the bike. There's all kinds of nurturing things that you should see going on now. Why? Because you nurtured sugar all this time. So now they're nurturing their baby. They're reenacting what they've seen. And so that's really cool to start seeing that pretend play. And then the language symbols start to stick in a different way. Not only have they been observing language, aka a symbol system, all words are, are a symbol system to represent an object or a concept. But now, not only is it sticking and they understand it, now they know how to use it to describe, to talk about things. And this is all related to memory, right? Because the more you can hold on to and remember, the more you can use. And so that's why during that infancy year, it's so important for us to read and to sing and to talk and to have these interactions because the more interactions and the more time we interact and do, the more of a chance that information sticks for sugar to be able to use it during this time. This is why toddler year is so much fun because they're showing off everything that they've learned for the last two years and expanding on that. So what does this all mean? This means that if sugar has difficulty holding on to following through now or remembering information, it's time to start creating strategies that'll help them become successful at doing that. Remember, repetition is key, y'all. And so the more that we're repeating the same actions again and again and again and again, and the same symbols again and again and again and again, and the same pretend play again and again and again and again, and the same things again and again, if sugar isn't getting it, if we keep doing it, then the chances are they're gonna eventually hold on to it in some shape, form, or fashion. This also means we should continue to challenge sugar in a language-rich environment that's appropriate for them. So we're not gonna challenge our two-year-old the way that we're gonna challenge our 10-year-old, unfair. But we are gonna challenge them in a way that's appropriate for them. 
And we're going to be proactive to make sure that early on we're increasing sugar's memory. How can we do that? Through the things that we do with them. We could do this through play. We could do this through communicating. We could do this through story time. There's all kinds of way that we can increase their memory. We can ask questions and be super proactive. And I am going into episode four and I'm going to stop right now. That's what episode four is all about, (laughs) y'all. So how does all this good stuff connect together? If you're a regular listener, then you know that the toddler year, that 24 to 36 months is the language boom happening. This is the language boom. And if you want to know more about that and you're a newer listener, go back and listen to the Milestone series and I break the whole thing down. However, the language boom is only happening because Sugar's memory is being put into practice. It's being put to work. And that's why it's so important during this toddler year that we're putting their minds to work because they're sucking all that stuff up. And so another thing that's taking place This is why it connects together is because the complex stuff is starting to happen here. Not only is Sugar learning how to label things, but he or she is also learning how to use language appropriately. And if they're using it inappropriately, then they have us to correct them in a way to where we're not making them correct on the spot, but we are having them correct in a way to where we're giving them that auditory feedback and we're repeating what they should have said so their brain can hold on to that information for the future. That's memory. And while this is all going on, Sugar is learning how to organize stuff in their mind to know how do I use this language stuff? How do I use this play stuff? How do I use this behavior stuff? How do I use all this stuff? All of this stuff happens because of a toddler's memory and the way that it is being nurtured. Cool, right? Because Sugar is showing off how much language they have through talking and through speaking. And they understand at least, at least, y'all, two times more than what they're saying to you. Yes, I'm going to say that again. This is what makes it so cool. With as much as they're showing you, most toddlers understand two times more than what they are sharing with you because they're still trying to figure out how to use this stuff so they can't showcase it all. And so that memory is growing and expanding and more neural connections are being made in the brain because it's developing like crazy. It's so cool. So we're not only looking at what they're saying, their expressive language, their vocabulary, we're also looking at what they know, their understanding of language, their receptive language. Sugar's actively using their working memory, aka the tool that they need in order to establish learning and following directions. If that is not the coolest thing going on, that's why I love toddlers because so much cool stuff is going on. So here's here's the thing. If you want to know, how can I support my sugar during this time? Well, by asking open-ended questions. Anyone can ask a yes or no question, but there's so much more value when you ask an open-ended question. Instead of saying maybe, are you playing with blocks? The question making it an open-ended question could be, what are you going to build with these blocks? How are you going to create something with these blocks? Because when we give open-ended questions, 
then it gives sugar the chance to go into his or her memory, think about what to say, and then say it. And they can expand on it. And you can ask more open-ended questions to expand on that. Number two, you can correct memories when needed. So if you ask Sugar what they did at school today, but you know what they did at school because teacher told you, then you can say, if they say, hey, I played on the slide in the sandbox. And if teacher said, no, they stayed inside all day, then that gives you the chance to, to kind of correct that and, and ask more questions. Well, did you, are you sure that you played outside today? Are you thinking of another day that you played outside because teacher said that you did this in the class? And most toddlers are going to be like, oh, yeah, 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 this is what we did inside. And then they'll talk about it and give you that information. So it's okay to challenge their memories. And if they're not correct, then like give them the enough information for them to say, yes, this is what happened. And then start to recall and and reenact because we don't want to put ourselves in the position where we're answering everything for them and not listening to their thoughts. Like we really want to hear their thoughts and we want them to work on that memory of what really took place. The third thing is when we're discussing their day, we can ask specific details related to their feelings. So if they are at home with you and you observed that maybe they were playing with the dog and the dog got a little bit snippy because doggy was tired and snapped at baby and it made him scared and you got baby out the situation, but then maybe later you talk about it. Oh my gosh, how did you feel when doggy did this? Or if you're sitting down, you can do an art project with that and say, color your feelings on how doggy made you feel and then let them communicate that way. But that's another way that they're taking old information and talking about it in the present. And you're able to expand those thoughts because then you help them have a label attached to whatever took place so they can rely on that later if something similar occurs. You guys are, you world changers are powerful people. So you guys can like do this stuff and don't even know, like it's just totally reshaping their world. It's so neat. The fourth thing that you can do is talk about future events. And I mean, not something a year out, but maybe later today or maybe tomorrow. You're, you're doing a twofold thing with them during this time, right? Because you're giving them a concept of time of what's going to happen in the future, but you're also giving them something to look forward to. And you're also helping them reframe their mind and separate what was the past and what's present. And so that's super key because they need to know the difference in time that this happened then and this is going to happen. This is happening now and this is going to happen next. And finally, you can be specific about what you want. This actually goes into the following direction piece. So this is a a great way to support your sugar during this time. Why? Because giving them a direction, very specific directions, lets them know exactly what you want from them. It takes the question out of what you expect from them. And then if they get tripped up, then you can come right in and say whatever it is that they miss to make sure that they follow through. Let me give you an example. Pick up your shoes, take them to the door and come back over here. So maybe Sugar goes and picks up their shoes. But maybe they start looking around like, I don't remember what the next step was. Then you can come in and say, take them to the door and then what's next. And you can ask them that's what's next. So then they can follow through with whatever it is that you needed them to follow through with. 
And so by us giving them those specific detailed directions, not only are they able to follow through, but they're also able to figure out and pick up on when they when they lose it and what they're losing. And we can help support them in that moment. Like most important, we can support them in that moment of if I gave you specific directions, I expect you to follow them. But then if I see you're having difficulties following them, then I can help you during this time. And so this is why I always discourage using vague language like this and that and these because it's not specific and it's not really growing the vocabulary the same way as if you said shoes, Nike, Adidas, Puma, uh, what it, Under Armour. I'm giving myself like memory tests trying to think about a bunch of different pairs of shoes at once. But you get my gist of we just want to be as specific as possible when we're giving them directions, because that means that they're working on how to memorize and organize following the steps of what is being asked of us or asked of us. What's being asked of them. So this is what leads me to my next, my next little thing. So during this time, if a direction is not being followed, should I say no? Uh, no, probably not. I say no to that no. <laughs> Why? Because no should only be used to redirect unwanted behavior. When following directions, that's a, that's a tricky one, right? Following directions is we want sugar to be able to organize the information we give them and get from point A to point B to point C or wherever it is that we want to get them. So if sugar is not following a direction, our goal is to build their working memory, which means we want to create a pathway that they can follow. No takes away the direction. You can't follow no outside of like if you want a behavior to stop, right? Makes sense, right? We want to use no for like stop or danger or something associated with that and be extremely clear. I'd rather us work on being extremely clear about what we want versus what we don't want. And so that's why giving specific directions are great because no can't give you that element. And, and so I want you guys to be super intentional. And if you are used to saying no, then that's a challenge for you to try to work on not using no all the time and be more specific during that time. Because again, by giving no, it doesn't create the memory or reinforce what it is that you actually want them to do. And remember, we're working on memory. But if you notice, memory works on everything. And so by building up memory, and strong working memory of if I've asked you to do something and follow through, then no really doesn't have a place in that. Like we want them to do what we ask, but keep them safe when we need to. So just, you know, steer clear. I hope I made myself clear on that one. Finally, what if my sugar has a diagnosis? Does this still apply? Well, absolutely. Absolutely. Because we're the ones who can limit our sugar's exposure to expanding their thoughts and their ideas, no matter the level of severity, unless there is just some profound diagnosis that is impacting the ability to think, then you should absolutely have something to work on. And even in that, I always feel like there is something to work on. There's always something that we can be working on. So absolutely, yes. Next, sugars who are neurodivergent or not neurodivergent, who are experiencing difficulties with memory and retaining or learning new information should have more opportunities, not less. If we're giving them more opportunities, chances are 
they're eventually going to pick up what it is that's that's needing to be picked up on, whether that's learning a new concept or following directions or picking up new language or learning how to problem solve or learning how to learn. No matter what it is, like we have to make sure that we're giving our sugars the opportunity to do so. And if we're taking those opportunities away, then guess what? We're taking away their ability to memorize and think and do. Next, we can provide constant exposure and change of things as needed to make sure that learning is optimal. So think about it like the treadmill. If you get on the treadmill for 365 days a year for 30 minutes at the same pace, yes, it's better than doing nothing. But let's say you decided to do the treadmill one day, the Peloton the next day, the elliptical the day after that, a run around the neighborhood the next day. You get my drift, right? That's giving your brain a little bit more of a challenge than what it would if you're doing the same thing the same way every single time. Yes, it's good to do something. Something's better than nothing. But if you can challenge and shake up the learning environment, then absolutely please do so. Change it out. Do different play. Do different thinking. Ask questions a different way. Challenge them. Challenge yourself, right? Also, we can trust and be honest with ourselves and the process as sugar is learning. So I know that some of us, me, like to take over. I have a problem with taking over. Mm. I'm in recovery, y'all. I ain't lying. But uh, we have to be honest about the process and really allow ourselves to get out of the way. Allow sugar to learn. Allow them to do. Allow them to muddle. Don't be so quick to just step in and take over to where they barely even had a chance to fail. Like sometimes our best learning experiences is through our failure. And if we're not giving them a chance to try, and we're always taking over and we're always interjecting or we're saying in highlighting what they haven't mastered and replacing that with the words they can't do, then we're becoming honestly a little bit of a hindrance to their growth and their progress. And so remember around these parts, we're pushing the purpose. And so it's really important for us to allow ourselves to move out of the way and provide guidance as needed and allow them to struggle a little bit, but also be a cheerleader and let them know that they can do it. And finally, we can always provide support, but only, only, only if we're pushing for them to try a little bit harder. Because again, this goes back to our last point, like we want them to try, we want them to fail, we wanna help them through those moments and we want them to even be reflective through these moments of what can we do different in the future. Yes, you can do this with a toddler age appropriately, right? You could totally do that. So if little Susie got up on the stool because she decided that she thought it was a good idea to get to those cookies that was in the pantry and she falls down, that's a good time to have a conversation. She tried, she failed, let's talk about it because she remembered, right? She remembered she could go up to that cabinet. So the conversation would look like, oh man, what happened? And she would say, I climbed up something to the effect of I climbed and I fell down and I got an ouchie. And she might even blame it on the stool, not on what she did. And that's when you could give the reminder that, yes, I saw you climb up 
and I saw you fall down, but maybe in the future you can ask mommy for help. Huh? We're working on future memory. Maybe you could do this. Or what do you think you can do different? I'm just saying. So we could be extremely proactive about how that plays out and giving our sugars what they need to make sure that they're reflective in the future. Maybe Susie's not going to climb on that stool next time and seek you out for help because why? She remembered. Dun, 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 dun. So remember, world changers, we are our sugars world. We are literally their world. And what we put in, the foundation that we create, will be the pathway that they're going to follow for a lifetime. And so we can be proactive by shaping and molding what they remember and how they remember it and what they plan for the future. So let's create pathways that foster healthy, happy memories, y'all. And as always, if you have any questions about, about this episode or any past episodes, don't hesitate to reach out. You can email me using snail mail at questions at I've got this We would love to hear from you. Also, join our community. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, please do so and also share it with a friend. So join us next week as we will continue with memory mayhem. I'm going to work on my, my Looney Tunes sound. <laughs> We're going to go to the world of preschoolers next week. Yes, preschoolers. I am going to the class. Not really, but we are going to work on preschoolers and talk about what's going on with preschool memory because, man, there's some there's, kids are just interesting. Like one year from the next, things are just completely different. So I cannot wait to share this stuff with you guys and just dive a little bit deeper as to what's going on with Sugar's memory. All right, y'all. So until the next time, take care.